Hey everybody, it's Kai Rizdahl here with another episode of the Corner Office Podcast for you. This time I'm talking to Matt Brun. He's the general manager at Pabst. And while you can probably name the beverage for which that company is most famous, PBR, anyone in the can with the blue ribbon? When the sun goes down and the evening rolls around, that's the time I find. Got blue ribbon on my What do you have? blue ribbon. What do you have? blue ribbon. When a waitress glides up to your place with a pretty smile upon her face, here's the blue Thing is, beer might not be enough anymore, and that is where Matt Brun comes in. Matt, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. There will be those who listen to this interview uh, who somehow have not heard of Pabst Blue Ribbon. Well, they've been living under a rock? Uh, you know, I don't know. 175 years, you should, they should have heard of us by now. <laughs> what, what, I mean, what are you guys now in this beverage environment, I guess is the question, right? Because Pabst for a long time, you know, Pabst was, yeah. was beer, and now you're trying to change it. Well, it's super interesting. So Jacob Best, guy who founds the company in 1844, um, German immigrant, arrives in the Midwest, probably makes moonshine before he makes beer. Hmm. Um, historically accurate or inaccurate, whether it's an urban legend, but he probably tried his hand at making some rough moonshine. Started making beer, got famous for beer. In fact... The company's named after his son-in-law, so it's a pretty uh, pretty bold move. Marry the daughter of the founder <laughs> and, and then change the name. name. Yeah. Well. So the Pabst Company, you know, started out making anything distilled, followed by beer. Then you know, an American legend buys up every great little brand around America and uh, becomes pretty famous for beer. But yeah, you're right. The world is changing pretty quickly. Yeah, Pabst was for a long, just to get to the beer roots of this thing yeah. and and where you're going with it. Pabst for a long time was. And look, I was, well, not of legal drinking age, but it was it was in the the same league as like Rheingold and Schlitz, yep. right? Uh, Old Milwaukee, probably. Yes. And then it it went away for a while in the public consciousness, uh, and then has and then came back, sort of. Uh, uh, I'm going to use this word in in hipsterland. Yeah, totally. So, oh, you're owning it. That's interesting. Oh, I'm absolutely. Um, biggest brand in America in the '70s, uh, Craters in the '80s. By 1999, it's you know a tenth the size it was at yeah. its peak, and it's dead. It's literally declining at 20%. Without the hipsters from Portland, Brooklyn, and around the country picking it up, it would be pretty much out of market by now. Hmm. Um, so around 2000, 2002, three, give or take, a bunch of inner city urban hipsters, let's call them that what they are, decide that you know, PBR is the anti-Budweiser. Pick it up and go, this thing's cool, it's cheap, it's fun, um, and it's a renaissance. I mean, 2003 to 2010, give or yeah, take, crazy. the brand was just just on fire. Um, sadly for us as a company, those hipsters that were, you know, mid-20s in 2003, yeah. got married, had kids, and, you know, no longer drove, you know, culture in America. So, you know, our challenge now is, you know, to, to go beyond the hipster movement and make it the, the you know, the real choice of... Who's coming through now and driving culture? And they don't look like, you know, the people that drive culture in 2003 don't look like right. the people driving culture now, right? And you're doing it not with beer. Explain. We do, well, we're doing it with, yeah. with beer, but. With, with beer. We've right. done pretty strong extensions to the brand. So we've done a, a lighter beer choice. We've done a heavier beer choice. We've done a non-alcoholic beer choice as well. So we've done in-beer thinking, but we recognize <laughs> not everyone drinks beer. Yeah. Um, and increasingly, people aren't, you know, kind of defined by the category. So we've, we've created products outside of beer. 
Um, we've launched uh, alcoholic coffee in the last couple of weeks. We've done a whiskey, which goes out in a th- few weeks. Is a real mm. remembrance to Jacob, the original founder. Does it taste? Like, I mean, we're going to taste it here in a bit, but does it taste like moonshine? No, because I've had moonshine. That's no yeah, fun. it's not. It's definitely not moonshine. All that's right. for sure. It All took right. me uh, eighteen months to create it, so hopefully, it doesn't you, taste. You like You did moonshine. it. You're the guy. Yeah, the distiller and I. I had um, I had twelve years of um, experience in the spirits industry. Right, right, so right. Um, the, dis- the head distiller from New Holland distilling in um, Grand Rapids. And I spent the last sort of 18 months going through different mash bills, grain types, working through how we distill it. Um, it's actually a beer mash, so it's mashed as, as if you were going to make a beer, then brought across and distilled and becomes a, a spirit and it becomes a whiskey. Um, and look, it's not, it's unaged, so it's, yeah. not going to be, yeah. it's not going to be something you sip neatly, quietly by the fireside. It is something you're definitely going to want to mix but much like gin or vodka or, or kind of Blanco tequila, it's made to mix, right? Yeah. Um, but it doesn't have the harshness or the kind of the, the pungency of a moonshine. This is off topic, but how did a nice Australian guy like you wind up running Pabst? Mm. That's a nice is, is the first question, <laughs> whether that's true or not. Let's go with that. Yeah, that's a, yeah, I am um, yeah, born and raised Aussie. Obviously, you can hear from the accent. I moved to New York with a pretty big spirits company. I got um, kind of shipped over, um, lived in New York for three years, running a spirits brand globally, which was an incredibly exciting fun, and realized America is just this kick-ass country that does great things. Sometimes it talks itself down, but it is a pretty vibrant, big, interesting country, right? So I love where I'm from, but Australia's a pretty pretty small, you know, 24 million people. There's more people in, in, you know, in LA than there is in Australia kind of thing, right? So I landed here and just realized that America's super vibrant, optimistic, innovative, dynamic, and you can do crazy stuff here. Mm. So I just hung around and uh, just found it, found my way into Pabst. And I joined Pabst because it's private, mm-hmm. which is super cool. I've worked in multinationals all my life. Yeah, it's um, tougher, right? It's a different deal. Well, Pros and cons, man. Like yeah. on both sides is good. Multinationals are incredibly well funded, incredible process, discipline, and order and procedure. But again, without freedom, private companies have freedom, but often without frameworks. So let's talk about that freedom in search of a framework. Yeah. Um, you are building a brand here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how did you start thinking about it when you got this job? Taking perhaps from what it was, you know, even even with the hipsters, right? It's sure. different now than it was with the hipsters. Hundred percent. Yeah, so when I when I landed in in LA with and looked at the PBR brand, we're like, okay, what really is it? Um, is it a beer or is it a lifestyle choice? And it really yeah. was an alternative lifestyle choice. Here is a brand that people have chosen to badge themselves as, as outside the the kind of homogenous nationalized identity, right? Mm-hmm. Here I'm holding something in my hand that says, look at me, I'm choosing an alternative, but still deeply American choice, right? Um, and we realized that that was, that was being expressed not just through beer. So the first step we had to look at is what is true to us and what is the need for the consumer? So what was true to us is perhaps companies always experimented with products. It hadn't just been singular as a product definition. In 1920, with through prohibition, do you think we stopped business? <laughs> No. I mean, the history of the Paps company is to never never give up, never give in, right? 175 years of maintaining itself in the market means it's always questing for the next thing. So we said, right, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to try and make sure we make products that are for the next generation, for the real people coming through. And so we just started creating, you know, um, different products and different choices. And we moved into test market. So we're in test mode now, right? So the stuff we're launching 
we're not trying to go national with everything. We're going, okay, let's try this in this market, this in this market, like have heaps of bets. Right. You know, have a little bit here, a little bit there. We've got, we've actually got hard coffee going. We've got whiskey about to go. We've got a, a stronger seltzer, so an 8% alcoholic mm. seltzer going in five markets in two weeks. So we're basically saying, okay, how can we be as fast and innovative as possible in multiple places? And then you will, you'll pick the one that works. If all three hit, then you run with them. And if, if it's just the seltzer, then you go with the seltzer. Yeah, you pick a winner. Uh, look, they might all win and they all go, right? They might all, mm-hmm. one might win and two might lose, but right. we'll, we'll basically incubate and see what works. So in uh, 10-ish years, where is Pabst? Um, oh, America's biggest enhanced drink. Is that the lingo, enhanced drink? Yeah. I mean, it's a, we're, we, we make functional drinks, right? And um, you have to be open-minded to what those functional drinks might contain. I mean, you've already started to legalize certain products in, in certain states, whether it's you know, CBD or THC or whether it's you know, um, nootropics or whether it's you know, matches or whatever it is. There will be a constant search from humanity to enhance their experiences and enhance their drinks, right? Look at the, look at the shift going on. We've now got functional waters, kombuchas, <laughs> green teas in a bottle, matches. We are in a constant search to make the liquid we put down our throat enhance our life, right? Matt Brun at Pabst. Thanks a lot. No worries, buddy. Thanks for having us. All right, since we're talking about this gamble that Matt and Pabst are taking on enhanced drinks, to borrow his phrase, and since I did say we would taste them, even if it was 10 o'clock in the morning. Okay, so first of all, we've got the uh, Pabst Blue Ribbon Whiskey. Yeah. It's uh, white, as you can see. Um, Unique mash bill. Um, What does that mean? Well, the ingredients that we used to to basically distill from, we referenced back to what our original founder would have had access to. Gotcha. So back in 1844, the fields that grew corn or wheat were often polluted with other products. Yeah. And when they would have gathered the grains up and mashed them. All that them, other stuff comes? Yeah. So that's what we wow. did. So we mashed it out. We mashed it like a beer and then we distill it like a whiskey. Yeah. In an old uh, pre-prohibition still in Grand Rapids. And then to call it whiskey, we had to age it. Yeah. So we said, how long do we have to age it for? Yeah. Because we really want to get it to market. You're like talking to regulators? Yeah, regulators. So <laughs> like, we want to call it whiskey. We don't want to call it moonshine, right? Because yeah. it's clear. Um, because it's not moonshine, it's whiskey. Yeah. I said, uh, there's no defined time limit. So he said, what about five seconds? I said, sure. So it literally comes off the steel through a barrel into a bottle. Five seconds. All right. Uh, we were talking in the studio. Yep. Uh, this is not something you want to drink neat. This is not sipping whiskey. Well, right? depending on the, night, the time of the night. <laughs> Which so, is a whole different kind of interview. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't. This is made to mix. All right. So soda lime, okay. Coke. You got soda. It makes an incredibly good old-fashioned as well as a really good whiskey sour. So my recommendation is just try it on Coke first. All right. Excuse the fingers. Yeah, don't worry about um, it. A couple of that, dash of this. Let's not overpower you. Oh, it is, it's also it is pretty like early. 10, in the morning. morning. Uh, hold on. All right. So, bit of Coca-Cola. Still the number one mixer in the world. Is that right? Despite um, all the conversations about Coke. Oh, that's funny because you can taste it. Yeah. You can really taste it, and you yeah. just did not put a lot in there. No, no. Huh. So it, we we characterize it as a as a white spirit with flavor. So it has enough whiskey flavor to push through mixer. But it, it isn't a sipping whiskey. It isn't like, as I said to you before, right. it isn't sitting in a smoking jacket and sip out of a balloon glass, right? right? It's made to mix. Um, all right, so, so that's that one. All right, wait, so hang on. Actually, yeah. give me a little bit, just a just splash straight. so I can, yeah. It's because it's, you know, right. I got four hours till airtime, so I'm fine. So on the nose, you should get some um, sort of 
malty and buttery flavour. But um, we're not going to discuss how, like, floral the nose yeah, is or right. anything. It's not uh, that sort of whiskey. You, you have actual spirits credentials, right? I mean, you did Yeah, this. yeah. I worked in um, alcoholic spirits for 12 years before I came across the beer. So um, I spent a fair bit of time in different distilleries around the world. <laughs> okay. All right. And you know what? Okay. It doesn't burn. No, no, no. You'll find the back. It smooths out right. a lot. So, like, right. unlike moonshine, but the right. back of Which, a moonshine is going to really uh, tear at the back of your throat. What you'll get is an initial hit because it has strong right. alcohol credentials. It'll kind of fill the side palate, and yeah. then it'll it'll layer out the back in a really smooth way. And that's because of the way we mash it um, with a real soft beer mash. Huh. I went to college with a guy from North Carolina. He brought moonshine back one day from Thanksgiving. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway. Now, this, ain't, right. this ain't moonshine, right? We're done with the hard stuff. All right. Except this is still hard stuff. Yeah, coffee. okay. Coffee. So um, one of the fastest-growing non-alcoholic segments in America right now is prepackaged coffee. Yep. Um, it's in every convenience store, every grocery store around America. Starbucks, prepackaged coffee has exploded. Um, so what we did is we looked at all the different trends across the non-alcoholic categories yeah. and said, okay, which of those have not moved into alcohol? Obviously, seltzer has grown extremely fast in yep. non-alcoholic. That translated into, into um, alcoholic seltzer as well. So coffee was the only one that really hadn't kind of taken yep. off in alcohol. So we worked with a bunch of flavor technicians and people who produce non-alcoholic coffee and worked out how we could make it uh, alcoholic. Right. Hit me up. So we're going to hit you up with some yeah. um, hard coffee. Um, it's quite a day for me, actually. It's Friday. This is not my usual Friday. So it is. it has milk and sweetener in it. Well, so interesting. So how come you decided not to go with just, like, black coffee, or do you have one of those Yeah, the, well? well, the, the number one selling non-alcoholic coffee in a can is, is, is with milk. Huh. So we just followed the trends. Right, fair enough. I don't. I'm not tasting any alcohol. I'm not tasting any hard. I'm not tasting. Yeah, you'll you'll get it. You'll get <laughs> no, it. No, I won't. Eventually, I mean, you know. All right. Well, I'm going to share one. It is breakfast. Yeah. I mean, it's like a sweet little, you know, something. Yeah. It's like a have, hard, have a couple of these. It's and like a hard coffee. Your morning goes a whole different way. <laughs> well, you know, whether whether you drink it in the morning or the night, drink it responsibly, right? All right. There you go. That's my whole interview with Matt Brun, the general manager at Pabst. Thanks, as always, for listening all the way through. We've got a video, by the way, of us doing that taste test. It's on Twitter. We are at Marketplace there. And if you learned something new today, tell you what. Tell us about it by writing us a review at Apple Podcasts, would you? It helps new listeners find us and lets us know what you would like to hear. This episode of the Corner Office Podcast was produced by Bridget Bodner. Marketplace is produced by Nancy Fargali. Satar Nieves is the executive director of On Demand. Deborah Clark is the senior vice president and general manager. I'm Kai Rosdahl. Another episode for you in a couple of weeks. When the sun goes down.